This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Life-Changing Wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond. I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness, episode number 126. This week's episode is brought to you by Bayleaf Sports Activewear. Bayleaf Sports gives you today's new technology, such as compression, improved airflow, and lightweight materials, and all of its products. High quality at affordable prices, and use the code Dr. Bond and receive 15% off anytime you order from Bayleaf Sports. Go to bayleaf.com. That's B A L E A F.com. Now, before we begin, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today. Rate and review the show for me. And I thank you ahead of time for making our show great. And I encourage you to look up my show page on radiomd.com slash Dr. Bond. My guest this week is Kelly Lang, who has had a stellar career in the music industry with cuts by artists such as Ricky Skaggs, Lori Morgan, The Oak Ridge Boys, Crystal Gale, George Jones, B.J. Thomas, T.G. Shepard, Jerry Lee Lewis, and that is just to name a few. And she has recorded duets with iconic artists such as Dame Olivia Newton-John, Paul Schaefer, and Lee Greenwood. And as an artist, Lang has released several albums, including 1111, Shades of K, Throwback, Obsession, and iconic duets with husband T.G. Shepard, and of course, her brand new release, Old Soul. And in the spring of 2020, Lang re-released her classic children's album, Lullaby Country, which was originally sold at Cracker Barrel. Now, as part of a regional campaign, her voice and writing skills can be heard on television throughout Tennessee and the surrounding areas as the official song for Ascension St. Thomas Hospital's commercial titled, I'm Not Going Anywhere. And ladies and gentlemen, this is just a short version of her amazing resume. And to help tell the rest of her story, let's welcome singer-songwriter Kelly Lang. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Uh, I've got to ask you something because I want to kind of step back in time. And okay. I know that your father, uh, Velton Lang, was the road manager for country legend Conway Twitty. Did you ever travel with your dad? Um, you know, on occasion, we would go to shows that were close by. And we had, you know, an opportunity to see Conway perform thousands of times, but I never really physically went on the bus or on the planes with them when they would go. But um, if he was playing anywhere in the 200 mile range, we would end up driving over and, and checking the show out. It was always awesome. Well, where did you uh, end up with a love for music and especially, I guess, country music? Well, I, I, like, I think it's a love of all music. My mom always had music playing in the background, always had, um, it wasn't necessarily country. It was like Gladys Knight or Frankie Valli or, you know, Elvis uh, playing in the background. And, and of course, Conway too, because, you know, that was, he was our, our greatest love. But we had so much of uh, opportunities to meet new people in the music industry because Conway started out with rock and ended up in country. Um, my love just, just was always just being surrounded by people that I thought were just so cool and so fun to be around. And it, I mean, it really wasn't anything unusual that Loretta Lynn or George Jones or, you know, anybody of that caliber would call and ask my dad's advice on things. And they actually, both of those two actually wrote about my dad in their, in their books. And so it was just, just a thrill to know how important he was in his, in his role with their lives. Well, you ended up recording your first Billboard song called Lady Lady, 
And at being at the age of 15, how were you discovered? <laughs> well, I started singing when I was um, professionally when I was about 12 years old here in the Nashville area and singing on a show called the Ralph Emery Morning Show. And, you know, from that, just kind of one thing led to another. And I, I tease sometimes now because I know that my talent was not necessarily mature at that time, but boy, my ambition was, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to give up. I was, it was like a hair on a biscuit. I was staying in there, whether they liked it or not. And I just, I put myself in positions to where, um, like I would do a TV show and then that would lead to another show. And that led to a booking agent and that led to opening act for people. And, um, the more I progressed with doing more and more work, um, I guess they knew I wasn't leaving. Uh, I ended up becoming a part of Star Search. They asked me to come and try out. And that really opened up a lot of opportunities for me on a national platform. And I went on to do Music City Tonight, which again led to other platform opportunities. So it, it was just, you know, you just do something long enough and people go, oh yeah, you should call Kelly to do that. So looking back on it, I've had a stellar <laughs> long career. Um, and you think, oh, the next thing is going to be bigger. The next thing is going to be bigger. But it's it's just stepping stones to the next place that, that makes you feel fulfilled at the end of the day. Well, when so you have all this experience. And now when we watch television, we see American Idol. We see The Voice. Mm -hmm. What is your... Um, you know, what is your mindset or thought when you see those shows today when, you know, the original show, we look back, Star Search was really the, the first one that ever did that. Thank you. I, I think so, too. Um, you know, things are so different now with social media and these kids. You know, I wouldn't envy this situation that they're in right now because they haven't had time to grow into that enormous a fame. And fame is not necessarily a good thing, especially if you're not prepared for it and you're not willing to use it for the proper things. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I think they're thrown into that and then they get all hyped up. And then if the career does not take off, it's a real down. It's a, it's a really far cry down. So I worry about that a little bit. Whereas with star search, we did not have social media and uh, it was only on its own merit and it allowed artists to grow. There's so many people that came up from our, um, our era, like Sawyer Brown, um, Sinbad, Roseanne, I mean, not Roseanne, but um, Rosie O'Donnell. Um, oh my God. I mean, there's so many people that are now really doing well that were on the same exact year that I was on. It was really cool. Yeah, it's amazing how social media and music have played this very weird role in today's society. And I think you said something that a lot of people may not take notice of that the stars rise and fall extremely fast with <laughs> social media now where back in the day that if you someone was on star search and, and got known then there's a more there's a, a longevity there i mean it's going to be extremely rare to see people like kelly clarkson uh carrie underwood you know those are just you know phenoms in a way that that's not yeah. going to happen for everybody well, I, my husband is T.G. Shepard, and he, we, he and I were having this long talk about this very same thing a while back. In the day, and I'm saying 80s, 90s, that kind right. of thing, 
Um, when you signed to a record label, they took the time to grow a career. Nowadays, it seems like they're just throwing a single at the wall. And if it doesn't stick, then you're gone. Right. You know, so um, the growing of careers, I think, is is a, something that's a missed art. And it gives people an opportunity to build and grow with you. And your talent can be um, embraced by more people as the, more people know about you. Whereas social media, I, I, I have good and bad feelings about it. You know, I, I just think the, um, so many people just don't use it in, in the, a positive light. Right. And that makes me a little sad, but it's a wonderful tool for someone like myself because, um, you know, record labels are not as plentiful as they once were. Yeah. And it gives the artists an opportunity to, to have their own voice and their own direction as to how they want their career to go. So, um, and the older, or should I say, the more wise we get, I, I, I love the control of your image or your video or how the song is supposed to sound. So you have a little bit more say so and direction in your life. You kind of can change the directory of your life. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the past you would have the record label develop the artist. You yeah, know, and so maybe, many times it's not an authentic development. And you'll yeah. see that personality come out really differently on social media than what the label might have uh, portrayed. Well, yeah, definitely. Well, I, I want to move the focus back on you because this is what this is all about. And, <laughs> and you are, you know, one of the biggest songwriters out there. And I mean, you've written songs Thank for you. Jerry Lee Lewis, Crystal Gale, the Oak Ridge Boys, George Jones, the list goes on. How do you approach your songwriting? Well, there's there's two ways that I have found that I can write. Um, you know, the the basic way that most writers get together, um, not so much necessarily in COVID, but you can do this on Skype or whatever, um, is you make an appointment, you show up, one of y'all had an idea, the other one might have a melody, and you write a song. And that can happen. You can write those kind of songs. And there's a lot of hit radio songs like that. The way I love to write, though, is when I've been woken up in the middle of the night and a melody's coming and or I'm really, really, really relaxed in the pool and I start feeling lyrics coming. So on those occasions, I feel that those are some of my stronger songs because I feel that they're actually inspired. They're not something I had to force to come up with something that rhymes, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So the inspiring part of it, I, you know, I'm just seriously holding the pen. God is writing it. There's no other explanation that I can tell you with that one. You know, I like studying songwriters, even though I'm just a music listener. I don't play an instrument. I don't write songs, but I like to to read what others have done or how they approach things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people may ask me, well, who do you like as a songwriter? And when I say it, they look at me like, are you kidding? Well, I think Barry Gibb is one of the best of all time. And and it's funny to hear some of his stories because he would say, oh, we wrote that song in five minutes. And then, he does. He, he and his brothers used to write very quickly. Yeah. Uh, one of the great things that I've learned from Barry alone, um, you know, we're very close friends. And um, I've been able to have conversations with him about his writing progress or his process. And it's very different from most, which we should take note, right? Because he is the second leading besides uh, Paul McCartney 
earning, um, I think it's at BMI, songwriter in all of time. So we should all sit up and take note of what he's saying. What he likes to do is a melody first and a groove probably. And like <laughs> one of the funny things that I, I heard him say was they were going across the bridge when he was getting ready to write, um, probably going to get this song wrong, but it was like the sound was like. Dive talking. Dive talking. It was like a bridge that he was going over. He started with the rhythm and then he finds a word that he likes. It's just like an endearing word. And then he wraps rhyme around it. Sometimes the songs you go, what did he mean by that? Yeah. It might've just rhymed well, you know? So, but I just, I find his writing fascinating because it's, it's all from within, you know, he doesn't let anybody tell him, uh, oh, that's wrong. Or you shouldn't have written it like that. Cause he's, he goes from within and it's an internal thing that it's, it's a, it's a God given gift really. Well, is, has songwriting changed when in the day when you'd go into the studio and you would turn the tape on versus today where a lot of people are just sitting there in front of a, a MacBook computer and turning on pro tools. Is there a, is there a difference now? when it comes to songwriting in that area? Well, it's very similar to what we were talking about with social media. There's good and bad with, with both, you know, the um, I'm really grateful that I've experienced both because the, the, uh, the tape era, I believe is when the true talent oh, lies. I, I agree. I mean, you have to be a masterful engineer to know exactly where to split that tape. Cause it's a one take thing. It's yeah. good luck with that, you know, but as we progress with um, technology, thank God, we don't have to worry about baking a tape or tearing a tape now. Um, and if you don't overuse all of the new tools with tuning and things like that, it's just a faster way of being able to save things in longer terms. So I, 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 I love both ways of it. Well, let me ask you this. You are a 15 year breast cancer survivor. Yeah, yeah, I am. You know, so uh, what was your first thought when you got the diagnosis? I was mad, doctor. <laughs> so mad. I had so many plans for myself. I had just signed with a record label. I was, um, I, I was a single mom of two little girls, but I had put my career off for quite some time to just really concentrate on them. I did writing and stuff while I was raising them, but for the most part, I was really looking forward to this new chapter and um, I felt good. I just, I was traveling over overseas. I was doing shows in Switzerland and I felt a knot under my arm and I'm like, that is weird. I've never felt that before. And it started to hurt, which I've heard cancer doesn't hurt that's not necessarily the truth, you know? So I learned a lot. Um, so I, I was upset when, when I was diagnosed and my record label dropped me. I felt that they were very, um, cold. They didn't ask wow. any questions. They never asked how I was feeling. It was just a really rotten time for me to, to feel very alone and very dropped. And so I had to work through a lot of that because I, I, it hurt my heart. It hurt my feelings to, just, oh, you're sick, you know, it's, <laughs> well, it's not like it was your fault or anything. No, no. And so whatever, whatever that ended up being was a gift to me because I had to really go internal and really know what's 
what's right and wrong for me. I had to heal. Um, I just, I wouldn't take anything for that experience on this side of the fence because I have grown so much as a, as a friend and as a human being. And I'm so grateful. I, I often tell people somebody could look at that as a death sentence But I chose at that time to look at it as my life sentence because I learned to appreciate things more and I learned to really love bigger and, and try new things that I might not have, I might've been too afraid to try before, you know? So it gave me, it gave me a a better perspective on, on life altogether. And I really, really prayed. I said, God, please just let me survive this. My little girls were five and nine, you know? And no, excuse me, nine and 13, um, nine and 13. And I just didn't, I didn't want them to see me afraid or I didn't want them to see me in a weakened state. So I was always put on a brave face, I suppose. Um, but I feel like in, in his gift to give me more time here, um, I promised back to him was to be faithful to, to help other people be a, a bright light that I didn't have. I, I, I didn't know anybody that was, my age, you know, going through something like that. So I, I really, I feel a responsibility to help people through something like that. Cause it is, it is rough. I am not going to make light of it in any way. Well, what stage did they find it? And then how long was your treatment until you got the all clear? I'm kind of a renegade. My staging had not spread. Everything was going well until they got the lymph node uh, diagnosis back and they realized that it had spread to several lymph nodes and that I indeed would have to have chemo and radiation. And I was devastated because, you know, I was 36. Um, I personally chose to do a, a lymph, I mean, a, oh my goodness, uh, lumpectomy instead of a mastectomy. And the doctors were really a little disappointed that I didn't go the route they suspected I should at first. So I was a little, little renegade, I guess. Um, I did a lot of research on the chemo treatments that they had me on. And the, the, I had two every other week for, I believe it was two months. And then they wanted me to be on, I think it's Taxol. And I felt that the side effects of that were a little bit too much for me personally to to handle. And um, so I, I'm a chemo dropout. Wow. they wow. were not, yeah, they were not really happy with me and leaving so early. And then also this is a, this is a personal choice. I don't right. advocate for other people to do this, but I just, I just did a lot of internal thinking and researching about what I, I wanted to do. Doesn't make it right for everybody else. So I want to make sure everybody knows that, but um, they also wanted me to be on tamoxifen for five years and I, I took it for a little while, but it just, it just wasn't my thing. I, I just didn't feel comfortable on it. I was aching on it all the time. I gained an exorbitant amount of weight in a very quick time. And I just started thinking if I'm miserable and alive, this is not really living for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, Again, I was I was making renegade choices, and luckily, it it has paid off for me. But I, I don't want to be that advocate for someone to say, "Hey, this well, isn't for did you." you did you change your diet? What what were the things that you uh, kind of focused on uh, to hopefully you know 
recover? Well, a lot of prayer, <laughs> a lot of prayer. Um, I did change my diet for a little while, but I am such a weak human being that I, you know, I tried the juicing thing. I tried staying away from sugars as much as I can, but I'm, I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm human. And I <laughs> tend to, one thing I was surprised about is the weight gain that I had during breast cancer. I felt that I would have gotten thin. Yeah. So bald and fat was not an option for me. So, <laughs> so how long was how long was the the battle, or or should, I should say, how long was the recovery? Um, you know what? That's a brilliant question. I feel that the recovery is for life. Mm. Um, I still deal with issues from radiation. I think it's like the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Um, I did 37 treatments of radiation, and I honestly thought, oh, this is a breeze. I'll get through this. And of course, with each treatment, you get more tired, you know, you get a little bit worn out and burned or whatever. Yeah. But um, I, I have um, repercussions from that with back issues, like a, a very weak um, discs. I had five discs repaired a few years ago, and they, they attributed that to the radiation that I dealt with. Wow. Um, the the actual recovery process of it, I, I think I had... When, when, as a female, I guess I'm going to say this in a vain way. When my hair started growing back, I felt like a rock star. You know, I was like, I'm healed. I have hair. So that's probably a naive way of looking at it. But that's that was my telltale. So, but right after I had um, my surgery and radiation and chemo, um, the doctors felt that it would be best for me to go ahead and have a hysterectomy too. So it was a really tough year as a female. It was just. I felt like I was living in doctor's offices for at least a year. And then every few months after that for the next several years. So it's been a very long process. Now, during the, the or I should say at the beginning of the cancer diagnosis and during the battle now, uh, were you and TG married at that time? No. And if you don't mind, I'd like to share a really sweet story with you because yes. there's so many people that go through illnesses, I'm not just going to say breast cancer, but illnesses, and they don't necessarily have a, a partner that will stick around, um, especially if you're not married. And we had been dating for a few years, but neither of us were really in a position to be able to commit. He wasn't sure he wanted young children. And he had already gone through a really harsh breakup before that. And then I get sick, you know, I so again, I told you, I didn't want to let anybody see me weakened or without a wig or something. Cause I didn't want to frighten anybody, you know, yeah. we never lived together before we married. So, but he did have a key to my, my place. So one morning I was, uh, the girls had gone to school and I was just getting out of the shower. And it was the first time I really had taken the time to look in my eyes in the mirror and just look at this. It looked like a monster was staring back at me and it was just, tinge of green and bald and scars and markings all over me. It was, it was really intense. And I began to cry for the first time. And it was a moaning, groaning kind of cry I've never experienced before. And during this time, I did not know that he had let himself in my apartment. Wow. And he, it scared me that he just like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh my gosh, he, he was so sweet. He wrapped me up in a white terry cloth robe and he'd never seen me bald before. It had to have been shocking for him, honestly. And he pulled me down on his lap and in the floor of my closet and started rocking me like a baby. 
And he kissed me on my bald head. And I said, TG, I love you so much, but I love you enough to tell you it's time for you to go. You know, we do not need to be forcing this. And I I don't know if I'm going to make it. And here's your exit sign, you know, and, um, he kept assuring me, he said, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And he kept kissing me on my head and he said, I'm not leaving. I'm, I'm right here with you. I will never leave you. And I thought, I don't want him to stay out of obligation either though, yeah. you know, cause our guilt or whatever. Um, but time surely has made that particular feeling go away. Cause he's, he's still here and we're thicker than ever. And um, I think it's a good Testament for other men who see their women go through that. How, how big of a man are you to, to steer with a woman during something that tragic? It's very, it was very powerful um, connection for he and I at that moment. Wow, that that is a powerful story. I mean, I think yeah. the record label should man up, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're out of business now. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, they reaped what they sowed, I believe. Well, so. you know, that's that's life experience, and yeah. and that's what I was saying. I love um, I love being a little bit past those situations because I can now see things more clearly. And it wasn't my time. It wasn't my thing, and I can accept that. And know that, you know, God had bigger plans for me in a different way than I would have ever taken for myself. So, well, let me ask you this, because during your your battle with the breast cancer, you actually created a comedic character or an alter ego. Tell us about that. Okay, so um, during the time of my healing process, I spent a lot of time writing and I wrote a lot with Lori Morgan, the country singer, Lori Morgan. Yeah. Every week we would get together and um, we would talk about her life. And she wanted to like write her life song into music, like the tapestry of her life. She has a very colorful life. And so um, once while we were there, we were talking about um, a function that happens in Nashville where a lot of fans come in town and sometimes they know her more than she knows them. And they, they get her songs wrong they get her name wrong. And it was just funny how she was telling me all this. And so I came up with a character and I dressed in the most horrible stuff I could find in my own closet and showed up at our next writing appointment, acting like one of these people that she was talking about. And it started from there. And we came up with her name, her backstory. And I honestly thought it was just for the fun of it, but (laughs) I can't kill her off. Now her name is XOXO hugs and kisses. And she's from Bucksnort, Tennessee. And she moved to Nashville to get closer to the Opry just in case they called her, you know, so silly things like that. Well, she's now been on national TV several times and is getting ready to make another, uh, another TV show with Daly and Vincent um, on their Valentine's national TV show about a Huckabee. Uh, (laughs) So silly. Crazy. Oh, but you know, the thing is, is that um, humor helped heal me through everything. If if somebody is going through something tragic, like a health issue, comedy, humor, anything you can find, even if it's just making yourself watch a romantic comedy or, your, your favorite comedian or something, just giggle, just find something to giggle about. Um, she just happened to be an outlet for me to say things that I would never say as myself, but um, it's just been a blast, really. I love it. I love it. And I, and you know, I've heard stories where, 
you know, laughter healed people. It, it kept their but, mind off the battle. But yeah. sometimes laughter, I think, just ignites the immune system to yeah. work better. Uh, but let me say, you have a brand new album called Old Soul. Um, how did you choose all the songs for this album? It was not easy because I just, these are songs that like I grew up, I was telling you, my mother played these kind of songs all the time. So people have the misnomer, mis misnomer that they think all I do is sing country, but this taps into a little bit further of how I grew up and the, the love of all music that I had. I thought I was Gladys Knight when I was a little kid, I, I roller skating around my carport to the song, uh, Gotta Use My Imagination that I added on the album. Um, we added songs from the 60s through the 90s. And these songs, I was hesitant to put this album out because, you know, with COVID, I, I didn't want to be insensitive to what was going on. But music, as well as humor, heals people. And I felt like these songs, um, anything from like Every Breath You Take to Can't Take My Eyes Off of You, and even the funniest one, uh, because of COVID, All By Myself, yeah, which is, you know. There you go. Um, these songs bring us back to a time in our life when we felt safer or there, it was an easier time. And I thought, what a perfect time to put music out that people can remember where they were or when they fell in love or, and so it's been a, an extremely positive, um, ref, you know, people that have written me back have been like, wow, we needed that. We forgot about that song. And, um, I feel like it's been a very positive experience for us all, all together. You know, one of my favorite songs on the album is Drive. And uh, oh, you know, I, I still remember when it came out. See? Um, you know, that's back in the day. And, and, <laughs> ladies, and ladies and gentlemen, you have to remember, when it comes to the 80s and the early 90s, when a song came out, it was when it hit the radio, it was basically an instant hit. It was an event. You know, yes. you know where you were when you heard it the first time and... And that's what I wanted, hopefully, to capture with this. Um, and you know what I've noticed, too, is that most of the songs that I recorded for this project had originally been sung by men. Right. And so I didn't think anything much about that when I was recording it. But when I went back to listen to it as a, a whole, I realized that when a female puts a vocal on what is originally a male song, it changes the dynamic of what the meaning of the song is sometimes. And I was a little too close to the project until I got got away from it for a moment and then went back and I thought, that has a whole different meaning than what it was in high school to me, you know? <laughs> so Well, yeah, see, now, now that you say that, now when I go back to listen to it, I'm going to be listening to it a little differently because yeah. I'd never even thought that all those songs were actually sung by men. Most then, of them are. Mm -hmm. You know, and then now with, with uh, you know, with your voice on there, I can see where the dynamic would completely change. And even that meaning of the song could change. It does. Like the song drive in particular, um, when it came out, um, I always thought that it was Rick Ocasek singing that. Ben Orr. Right. You know, but you have to do you know, your music. Obviously you do. I did not know that. So um, I do remember Paulina Porskova in the video. And so it was about her needing to, make make sure he knows that she was going to be the one picking him up if you're not if I'm not in your life who's going to drive you home who's going to take care of you you know but when you flip the switch you know like he was singing that to her like right. you know who's going to drive you home tonight but when you flip the switch I'm sure there's a lot of women out there that have to 
worry about their husbands coming home. Are they at the bar at night or whatever? So it really did switch the gears for that particular song, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I remember the song well because I saw the cars in concert. Oh, I bet that was awesome. And, and, you know, and I've seen more concerts than I can even remember or I can't even count how many I've, I've been to way back when. But that concert, the cars, really stood out because the stage setup was, was different back then. And, you know, back, back in the 80s, a lot of artists started, you know, when they went on tour, you know, you were shoved at one end of the arena. But then there were those new setups where they opened it up behind the stage. I love the in the round too. So everybody yeah. had a view of that. I think Kenny Rogers was one of the first that did, did the in the round thing it was really um, so fat forward thinking, you know, but I, I'm a big concert buff too. I just, I love live performance. I think that's one thing I miss the most about right now is that, not only do I love performing, I miss going to see people yeah. live perform. You know, it's, I, I hope that that, I don't know. I hope it comes back sooner than later. Cause it's, it's really something that yeah. we've all missed. I think. No. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I know a few artists right now who have basically they've, they've done tours this year, but you know, it's, it's like going to the abandoned drive-in theaters, you know, yeah. make use of them. So you could basically social distance by sitting in your car but you still get to enjoy. But to me, it's it's just not it's the same. Yeah. It's not the same at all. Now, yeah. Kelly, where can all of my viewers and listeners find all of your albums, especially the new release, Old Soul? Well, if you would please go to kellylang.net, you can find all of my music on there. But I will say this, if you don't mind me mentioning, I'm so excited, Dr. To have written a song many, many years ago that's getting ready to be out on a national television commercial um, for Ascension Hospitals. You are going to get so sick of hearing my song, I'm Not Going Anywhere. So that will be a single coming out soon. And my husband, T.G. Shepard, and I also have a Christmas single coming out uh, first part of November. So we've got a lot of new things going on. And I hope that all of your viewers and listeners will be able to tap into kellylang.net and, and check our new stuff out. Well, that is fantastic. And Kelly, I want to thank you so much for your time uh, to be on the show today. Just kind of share your background and, you know, share your, your breast cancer survivor story and praise the Lord. We can use the word survivor and uh, <laughs> you look healthy and strong. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm 10 pounds over in COVID, but I'm, ha I'm happy and healthy. But um, I just, I just wish everyone that uh, is struggling out there with something to look at my, my, uh, opportunity to speak with you here as maybe a ray of light that there is life at the end of this bad situation and just choose happy choose ch turn the channel to happy and and uh, you'll find a new perspective on how to get through those dark days uh, well I'm going to leave it there those are perfect words for the program thank you again Kelly uh, thank and you. again ladies and gentlemen as I always say when it comes to all of us here on the Dr. Ward Bond Show with all of our musical guests, please buy the records, support when they go on tour. Don't just download for free. People don't get paid that way because it's not just the singers, it's the songwriters, it's the road managers, it's the crew. It goes, I mean, you wouldn't believe how many people it takes to create a record 
or to even go on tour. So please. Thank you for mentioning your- that. Yeah. And if you are like me, I like a hard copy, an autographed hard copy from the artist. So I do offer those on kellylang.net. Remember to catch every episode of Life Changing Wellness. Just hit subscribe on iTunes or on my show page at radiomd.com slash Dr. Bond. And if I can ask you a favor, please take 30 seconds and rate the show on iTunes. Thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible. Just look up Dr. Bond's Life Changing Wellness on any streaming service. You can learn more about me at drwardbond.com. And I want to thank you so much for listening to Life Changing Wellness. And remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. Have a blessed day, everyone.